We are now in the ninth week of ordinary time. We live in the light and in the warmth of Pentecost. The colour green, which symbolises a springtime, a time of growth, is the colour of what we now call this ordinary time, or tempus per annum, that is time during the year. On this Tuesday of the ninth week, we read the second letter of St. Peter, chapter 3. The second letter of St. Peter takes up a number of themes. The Apostle writes of the transfiguration, that moment of the revelation of Christ's great glory, and he addresses the problem of different teachers corrupting the apostolic faith. He reaffirms that Jesus will come in glory to judge the living and the dead. And he criticizes false teachers who live lives of licentiousness, greed, lust, insubordination, and irreverence. He exhorts his readers to add virtue to faith so that the truth of the gospel will shine forth in their lives to encourage others to live according to the truth. But in the reading today from chapter 3, verses 11 to 15, and verses 17 to 18, there's a verse left out, verse 16, which explains what St. Paul is really trying to say. In that particular verse, he refers to St. Paul's letters. Peter says that Paul wrote according to the wisdom given him on these matters of the coming of the Lord on the last day. And Peter says there are some things in the letters of Paul which are hard to understand. The ignorant and the unstable twist some of these writings of St. Paul to their own destruction as they do other parts of sacred scripture. The ignorant really are those who are uninstructed. The unstable perhaps refer to those who don't have a proper emotional sense and a sense of carefully interpreting sacred scripture. The basic point of Peter is that some of the writings of scripture are susceptible to misinterpretation. Therefore, they require a certain carefulness without trying to explain in detail how we interpret all the passages of scripture. There are three basic principles given to us in the compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And they are guiding principles when we read sacred scripture, lest we should misinterpret it or overemphasize one part, neglecting to properly compare it to another, to arrive at a true picture of what divine revelation is saying to us. The three principles are these, and it's answer to the question, how is sacred scripture to be read? First of all, we should attend to the content and the unity of the whole of scripture. Second of all, we should read a particular passage within the living tradition of the church, that is, the memory of the church and the great unfolding reflection of great teachers in the church on what sacred scripture means and how it is to be applied. And the third principle is that we should be very attentive to the analogy of faith. The compendium means by that the inner harmony which exists among the truths of the faith 
they're not at odds with each other. We just have to give ourselves time to see how they connect and to see them together as illuminating each other. What's an example of this? Well, in this part of St. Peter's letter, he's talking about the coming of Christ at the end of time. And perhaps some people would take that as meaning they would become so focused on that coming at the end of the time that they let us leave aside the ordinary workings of everyday life. But if we were to read St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the second letter, we would see that in explaining the tension between looking to the Lord's coming at the end of time to renew the heavens and the earth and to bring about the separation of all that is of evil and all that is of harm to the human race so the good may flourish, we would see that he's very careful in his application of that truth. St. Peter talks in the second letter to the Thessalonians about continuing your everyday work, to get about the work of daily life in quietness, to earn your living, and in this way to properly perfect your gifts, to relate to others well in the service you give through your work, and also to be able to have the ability to help others when they are in need. So here's an example of attending to the various parts of Scripture to get an accurate idea of what is meant by this relationship of waiting for the Lord to come and how we reverence the everyday work of life, remembering in the living tradition of the church that everyday life is important whilst we look in hope to the coming of Christ again, and also making sure that the truths of the faith are properly connected to each other, that there's a truth here about the glorification of all things and the transformation of all things, but still the great value in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the great apostles, Peter and Paul, about the importance of everyday activity.